Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be a part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. What's fascinating about the Vikings search for a new general manager is they are interviewing so many people that we just don't spend much time thinking about. We all think about other head coaches. We all think about head coaching candidates and rising coordinators. We don't really think a lot about some of the people who are behind the scenes. So we're going to go through a list of the Vikings candidates and just offer what we do know or what we do think about them as candidates. We also have a something of a picture of who the Vikings would like to interview as head coaches, and we'll run through them as well. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs and a couple of uh, Kirk Cousins-related items here on the Viking Update Show. He's John Krasinski. I'm Jim Suhan. Our producer is Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Best way to listen to this show or the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. See all, all the shows as they are released and see uh, our live show updates. We'll tell you more about all that later. But let's get into it, John. As right now, it looks like the Vikings have eight known candidates for their general manager position. Uh, before I get into the names, have any of the names grabbed you? Well, so one one name, and I think we talked about this a little bit, Jim, but um, John Spytek from the mm-hmm. Buccaneers, the vice president of player personnel there. I just look at that roster And yes, they have Tom Brady. That's great. Um, And I'm always a little bit reluctant to just heap praise on anybody who has a Hall of Fame quarterback running the show, because I think that the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Peyton Mannings of the world, look at Adam Gase, the, you know, the certainly the Tom Brady's of the world, look at what the Patriots have done since he's left. Um, are, can cover up a lot of warts. Um, but that Tampa Bay roster from top to bottom is, I think, the best in the NFL. And there's a reason that Tom Brady wanted to go to Tampa Bay because they had so much talent all over the field on both sides of the ball, all of that stuff. They do a great job drafting. They do a great job managing their cap. They do a great job in free agency. So, um, I, you know, that's one guy who really, really jumps out at me as a, you know, a, a, as someone coming for, with a pedigree of success. And so he would be right near the top of my list. I'm very intrigued by, and I don't know how to spell her last or pronounce her last name, Catherine Raish, Raish from, mm-hmm. from, 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 yeah, from the Eagles. I mean, I, 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 and love about the entirety of this process so far and the candidates that we've seen from the Browns, um, the Browns guy, Adolfo Mensa, like they are clearly casting a wide net. They're looking at very unique people with unique backgrounds. And, and so I love that about this search so far. And they're not just saying, 
um, you know, well, who's the next New England guy that we can grab? Like they're being a lot more innovative, a lot more inventive, a lot more resourceful in their searches. So that to me doesn't guarantee success, but I do like, you know, what I'm seeing in that regard. But SpyTech just, I mean, coming from an organization that seems to be so on top of things right now, I'm just really intrigued by him. Thanks to our sponsor, Star Bank. Thanks also to Tuttle's Eat, Play, Bowl. They'll be hosting the John Krasinski Show January 24th at 7 p.m. Tin Cup Whiskey sponsors the show as well. Pre-game will be 6.15 with Tin Cup Whiskey uh, giveaways, games, prizes, and fun. Uh, also, Tin Cup Whiskey drink specials. And then the show will be 7-ish to 8-ish. Live questions. We talk mostly Timberwolves on that show, but we are happy to talk Vikings and uh, the Vikings are fascinating right now. So come out and join us, hang out with us. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you then. Uh, so I'm going to run through each of the eight names we know and just get your gut reaction. And listen, this is not very scientific, right? Uh, you and I have not spent, you know, hundreds of hours breaking these people down and we'll, as the, the field narrows and if we have a better idea who actually might get hired we'll probably offer a lot more insight but right now it's just it's a fun game to play just your initial reaction to the name and let's start with Catherine Raich yeah so I mean I think that you know just that her background with I mean with the Eagles they have you know it's not like they have been um in in the last couple of years that they've been at the top of the league but um there is a Super Bowl there um, she has just, I think, a good background in terms of working with a front office that is generally, I think, pretty respected. Um, and I'm, you know, this sounds sort of, you can call it woke or whatever you want to do, but like, I, I think it's important for people who have, uh, you know, different backgrounds, who she's a woman, whether it's, a you know, African-American, whether it, to get those kinds of perspectives involved in the process and, and, and see what she brings to the table. I can't pretend to know like all of her skill set and, and, and know her well or, or what exactly she brings to the table. But I do like the idea of, of entertaining this possibility and really kind of, you know, bringing her in and, and seeing where she differs and where she's the same from some of the more, you know, um, stereotypical, uh, uh, candidates that you would get in in a position like this. So um, I love that she's being included. Um, I, I I would love to be in the room with her and just like listen to her perspective and listen to how she presents and and what is important to her and and then um, and and pick her brain on that because it's just a really intriguing candidate to to be considering for a position like this. When I think she might be Jim, the first woman to ever interview in the NFL yep. for for like a lead front office position like that. I think that's important. I think that's notable. Right. Because the only uh, woman general manager in, in, in NFL history was somebody's relative who was placed there. She didn't really interview. This is so this, we do mm -hmm. believe that Catherine Raich is the first woman to interview for a job like this. And, you know, my, my reaction uh, is that I think about how good she has to be, how good she had to be yeah. to get the job she got and to rise in a field completely dominated by men it just makes me very intrigued at what what she has to offer because uh women do not get free passes in the nfl yeah and you you mentioned john spytek yeah. he's a name i threw out there very early i've heard really good things about him uh any for anything further you want to add about john spytek yeah just i mean just that i um you know uh, i just building off what i just said I, I just love the tampa roster and so whenever you know i, I think it's clear 
that they have the best roster top to bottom in the NFL. I don't think it's particularly close. So, um, so whenever you you see a, a group like I mean I remember the Baltimore front offices of the of, of under Ozzie Newsome and and several others like that like when you see a, a group that can identify talent you know not just in the first round but later in rounds and really maximize that way um, I, I'm all for it so um, it, it it would not take much for me to get behind you know making that higher and saying okay I see exactly why they did that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, agreed. As I've said before, I've heard really good things about spy tech all along from people I trust. Uh, I think, you know, as you said, Brady, on the one hand, Brady made them better. On the other hand, Brady chose that roster because he thought it was a great roster that was ready to win. It just needed a little uh, boost at the quarterback position. And Brady had nothing to do with the defense and defense is really good and played at it and came on strong at the end of last year. Uh, I also very intrigued that they took Antoine Winfield and the Vikings didn't. Now listen, it was yes. logical for the Vikings to take cornerbacks, but obviously they would have been better off the Winfield than either Gladney or Dantzler. So it's, you know, I understand what the Vikings are doing, and I know it's a really easy second guess, but Winfield did end up being a better pick than Gladney. And, and like, it is a second guess too, Jim, but we, like, we knew at that time that they were eventually going to have to address safety. Like, because mm-hmm. they had Harrison Smith, obviously, then, but then you had Anthony Harris, who we are going to have to pay big money to and things like that. Like, if they would have gone Winfield there, um, then they wouldn't maybe not have, they wouldn't have the revolving door of Harris, Xavier Woods, like Cam Bynum now. Well, maybe Cam Bynum is going to turn into a really good player and be fine there, but like, there would not have been the same sort of turnover um had they just gone and grabbed a really good player and what we have seen and what we heard Rick Spielman tell us tell us time and time again is take the best player available you can't draft for need like that's that sort of thing and um and because I I also just believe at that time I still believe that safety was a need um Mm -hmm. I do and and so I don't think it would have been a leap to take Winfield there if you thought he was going to be head and shoulders above a, a Gladney, a, you know, or, or, or anything like that. Now, clearly they liked Gladney a lot and could not have anticipated the legal issues that he had. Who knows what kind of a player he would have turned out to be. But um, I think part of it was, is that they just did not anticipate Antoine Winfield being as good as he has been. And so, and to be a starter from day one on a Super Bowl team, um, that says something. And I think that was a miss. And, and you said it. It's the most obvious thing, and it's also the hardest thing to avoid. You can't draft for need. It skews your judgment. If you draft for need and miss because you drafted for need, then you've kind of missed twice. You have missed at the position exactly. that you were trying to fix, and you've missed an opportunity to draft a superior player who would have made, it, would have made a difference elsewhere. And, we, and, of course, Christian Ponder is the most obvious of those picks that the Vikings made, but Gladney over Winfield is is another another one. All right, let's go to Quezzi Adafo Mensa. Yeah, I mean, like this guy is the resume is unbelievable, right? I mean, Princeton yeah. graduate went to Stanford. I love that he was um, working as a trader, like on Wall Street. Like that's, I think that one problem that the NFL has is. They are so ingrained in we need our football guy and, you know, the, the dyed in the wool, you know, scout who came up or 
or or whatever and they have been very slow to innovate and so um you know again it does not guarantee that adafo mensa would be uh you know a, a success but looking outside of the traditional um candidates i just think really brings value to a search and 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 do a different perspectives i love i i really do like what the Cleveland Browns have been doing in recent years. I mean, yeah, they've had some issues with Baker Mayfield and things like that, but um, but they in general have really kind of repaired their roster and got themselves to a point where expectations are high for the Cleveland Browns, which has just not been the case for a long time. And so getting a very smart guy into a position like that that has a worldly sort of experience, background, um, I think it's really valuable. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, just look at like Chris Finch and with the Timberwolves, like coached in, you know, Great Britain, coached in, um, in Belgium, like, you know, went to the G League. I think like in the NBA, the varied experiences are rewarded. Like in the NFL, like there is this very clear path that you should walk to get to the top jobs. And so obviously, Adafo Mensa is a guy who did not walk that path. And I think that that's intriguing to me. Check out Blocked Media with Jim Suhan at talknorth.com. My conversation with Chris Finch. Chris and I actually talked about going, being, we've had a lot of similar travel experiences. Uh, we've both been to Rio Grande Viper games. He coached. I covered a game there for to see Royce White play. We both lived in central Pennsylvania. We both love New Orleans. Fun conversation with Chris. Check that out at talknorth.com. Uh, for this show, we want to thank our sponsor, StarBank. Have you tried to call your bank lately? Do you bank locally? StarBank is our bank at the Talk North Podcast Network. They're a family-owned local bank with branches across central and, and west central Minnesota. With StarBank, you get all the bells and whistles you would expect from a bank these days, but they have no 800 number, no call center, and no confusing phone queue. You can even request your banker's cell phone number. That's how they operate. StarBank is a true Minnesota family-run business. Check them out at StarBank.net. StarBank is a member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. Uh, next name on my list here and the Vikings list is Monty Austinfort. Finally, a Minnesotan, John. Finally, a Minnesotan. I mean, that, that guarantees it, right? There's, yes. there's no way that you can lose if you have uh, someone with some Minnesota, like Lake Minnetonka water running through his veins. So, um, but hey, part of a, uh, a, a team that has had a lot of success, I kind of like the Titans in terms of the way that they have just sort of identified a a style of play that they want. And they've gone all in on that approach, right? With Mike Vrabel, with Derrick Henry, I mean, certainly Tannehill and Julio Jones and AJ Brown, like you have some, some skill position guys, but they're a tough team, right? Like that's what they want. They want to, they want to be tough. They want to, they want to bully you. They want, to impose their will. And in, and in general, like it has worked. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not as familiar with the roster top to bottom in Tennessee as I am maybe in Cleveland or, or, or some of the other places uh, with some of the guys that they're looking at. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy, he, he comes from an organization that has had some success. And I think that really did a good job of defining, um, you know, a, a set of, characteristics that they wanted to espouse and then followed through on it. So it seems like there's been some good planning and some good identification in that, in that point. And so 
if you were to bring someone like him in, maybe you get someone that has a very clear direction. It doesn't mean that he's going to bring ten- Tennessee football to Minnesota, but I think it 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 shows that someone can come in and identify the strengths of a roster and then do everything that you can to maximize those strengths. I'm really impressed that Tennessee's winning with a, co- a non-obvious coaching hire, Mike Vrabel, and with a cast-off quarterback, Tannehill, you know, had his run in Miami and people thought he was done, and that they won so many games this year without Derrick Henry. So I don't know how much Ostford had to do with that, but that's what intrigues me about him. Let's go to Ryan Poles with the Chiefs. I mean, you know, th- this this is one of those cases, and maybe he's going to be the next great GM. It's very, very real possibility. They certainly have talent. They've done a good job around Patrick Mahomes. But for me, the Chiefs feel like the success is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like that's that's what it is. Very much like New England is built was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Like so, I would just be a little bit cautious in going to a place like that. And like automatically believing that whoever you hire from there and pluck from there is going to come here and and have a similar amount of success because really what it is is, well, you found Patrick Mahomes and he kind of fell into your lap a little bit. And Andy Reid um, is, you know, one of the very, very best coaches in the league. Now, maybe Poles will come here and maybe he will find the next Andy Reid as a head coach. And then maybe he will go and get the next Patrick Mahomes in the draft. If you do, great. You're out on the road and you're flying. Um, but I'm just like, I'm, I just look at the Chiefs and I say, that looks like a two-person operation there. Maybe that's unfair to the front office. Maybe that's that's a that, that's a simplified way to look at it. But that just would give me a little bit of pause before I went all in, um, you know, on, on, on the Chiefs, uh, drinking from the cheap Chiefs fountain. And that's what the problem Eric Bieniemy is facing too. Is that we just can't tell yes. exactly how much he has to do with that offense. Uh, you know, I certainly think he should be interviewing. I I think he should get a job, but I, I but I'm not 100 percent sure. It's, I just really don't know. Uh, next ne- next name here is very interesting. Elliot Wolf, uh, son of Ron Wolf, who really you know brought the Packers back to life and traded for Brett Favre and built the championship team in Green Bay. Uh, not only a great personnel uh, evaluator, but also a really kind of magnetic personality. Not all front office people are magnetic personalities. Ron Wolf was. His son, Elliot Wolf, who has worked extensively with the Patriots, is also going to interview. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll admit, like, again, I, I don't know Elliot Wolf at all very much. Uh, and he, I, I, I also have very, big misgivings or reservations about grabbing Patriots people, because I just think that that's a Belichick Brady operation. And we have seen many Patriots people leave there, go elsewhere and really flail. Um, So now he's a personnel consultant with the Patriots. So what does that exactly mean? Like, I don't, I don't even know. Now his background with his father, obviously, uh, you know, being raised in a, in a football family like that, I would think that he got a you know a shotgun ride you know through it and Ron Wolf is one of the best to ever do it so I I would not dismiss that out of hand at all uh, but on a team that maybe has had a little too much nepotism um, you know that's that's a part that I you do worry about as well you know is like 
is just going with the name, the, the, the last name over the accomplishments. Now, maybe again, maybe he's really played a pivotal role in identifying some of the talent that the Patriots needed. Maybe he was big with the Mac Jones evaluation. Maybe he was big with, um, with, 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 with some of the, the talent that they've acquired. But the combination of Patriots and, um, you know, famous father, um, that, that just, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe he's going to be the next great one. It very well could be. But those on its surface, I would have to dig really deep and have really in-depth conversations to feel good that that he was going to be the guy that 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 turns this thing around here. I second everything you said. I've heard good things myself about Elliot Wolf, but I don't trust it, and I, I'm a little sick of Vikings nepotism and NFL nepotism. It's amazing. And some of the studies that have been done over the last 10 years by people who really went in-depth on who gets hired and who doesn't, not only do they have a problem with hiring enough black front office people and head coaches, they also – have a major problem with hiring people who have worked together and people who are related to one another. It is, if you're in the club, Mm -hmm. you are in the club and Elliot Wolf's been in the club. That might be unfair to him, but it is a a trend that needs to be broken in the NFL. I'm going to be completely unfair here. I'm going to lump the last two candidates together. Glenn Cook from the Browns, Brandon, Brandon Brown from the Eagles. I don't know a ton about either. Uh, I think both organizations have done some good work on the personnel side, but neither of these names really grabbed me. Do you, do you differ in opinion on that? No, I, I agree with you there. And, and that could be totally unfair for me, Jim. Yeah. Like, I just don't know them. So maybe, yep. yeah, again, maybe they are perfect for this job and maybe they will be dynamic and maybe they will be, um, you know, excellent leaders and they deserve all of it. But um, I just don't, I don't know enough about them to speak you know, intelligently on what they bring or what they don't bring. They come from two organizations, I think, who have done good things. And so that's, you know, that is absolutely, um, I think the Vikings are right to be exploring uh, there. They're, they're identifying the right franchises that, that have had success. And, and maybe like uh, these, these two have really learned from, you know, Howie Roseman and from, you know, from, from the people who lead the Browns that, okay, this is the way to go. But I, I, I just don't know. I, I think like in the bigger picture, though, Jim, the one thing that I want to kind of reiterate in terms of my initial gut reactions to all of these names is that I can look at their resumes. I can look at what they have done with their franchises and be either impressed or be you know nonplussed by it, whatever it is. But the one thing that I think is so important to these jobs that is very, very hard for me or, or, or anyone who isn't like embedded with the teams that, that they're coming from to really gauge is the personality, a part of it, the leadership part of it. Like how are they going to run their operations? That is, seems to be as important um, a, a, a quality that you're looking for in a new GM as their ability to identify talent, as their ability to kind of um, manipulate the salary cap and all of those things. I just think that um, it's hard for us to get our minds around like who is going to be a real great leader of an organization. And I think that that is where Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman fell off, certainly later on in their tenures here. And that's where it can turn 
a tense situation into a very tense situation and a, and maybe a damaging one. And so, um, that's to me, the X factor in all of these, like if Glenn cook kind of has that it quality, that intangible quality that you really think this guy can step to the forefront and lead an organization and do it in the right way and, and really bring people together then that's that's a huge thing in his favor, or Catherine Raich, or any of these people. Um, that's that's the one thing that I want to look at. And once they make their decision, and maybe we get to sit down with these people and and really kind of see how they 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 digest things and 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 analyze things. Like that's going to be the big thing for me, you know, as much as whatever they have done from a win loss standpoint, from a drafting standpoint, and all of that. Uh, and I wrote about it the other day. That's why the Mike Tomlin hire is what it should be the touchstone for all modern NFL hires. There was no reason on paper to hire Mike Tomlin. Uh, he was the hard yeah. hire. They they could, could, would have won the press conference. They would have uh, really, you know, made their fan base happy if they hired one of their internal candidates. Uh, they had so many easy ways to go. They went the hard way. They they hired a 34-year-old with a thin resume because they met him and they believed in him. And that's why, as you said, Brandon Brown or Glenn Cook might be the right person. We might not know, but right now we don't know. Uh, let's switch to the NFL. Hey, want to tell you first about uh, the network. We've added Voice of the Gophers Mike Grimm to our stable. We've also added On the Bench. It's an incredibly popular duo, uh, kind of a hockey celebrity fun show. Uh, it's been going on in Canada for a long time. We are now their podcast outlet. It's a lot of fun. Check out that show as well. Thanks to our, our uh, producer, Brandon Morton, and our sales executive, Karen Cleary. Let's get, you know, I, I want to do the picks. We have four games to pick. And I'm not going to go in-depth on what happened this last weekend. I'll just throw out a couple random observations here. The seventh seed is obviously an abomination. Uh, it shouldn't exist. I, so I kind of like the fact that you really have to go hard to get the number one seed and get that by. Uh, but I don't like the seventh seed. That that has not turned out well. I'll also say uh, somebody put out some really information, really interesting information on Cliff Kingsbury today. Every one of his teams, Texas Tech and Arizona, has absolutely collapsed at the end of the season. I find that fascinating because this team on Monday night looked like it had no idea how to play football. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we both may have picked the Cardinals to win that game I the Cardinals, last week. I picked the Cardinals to cover, and I think I got. I think I went five of six this weekend. My miss was a very bad miss, thinking that the Cardinals would take advantage of the Rams' penalties. They had no chance. Yeah, I thought I thought they were going to win the game. Now, I I, I probably definitely I definitely overlooked or or minimized the DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins absence. I think yeah. Kyler Murray's Kyler Murray's playing hurt as well. But you're right. Like, I mean, they looked completely unprepared. I mean, both of them and the Cowboys, like they played so sloppily. Um, and you know, I I was watching the game and then you know seeing kind of some uh, conversation on Twitter as the game was going along. That man. Cliff Kingsbury's job might be in jeopardy. And I thought initially, you know, I thought, what? Like, you know, he's in the playoffs. Like, didn't they have a really good year? Like they, I remember they started out seven. Oh, like how can, how could his job be in jeopardy? But then you do bring into context that factor of how they have, they have just really fallen off the table at, at the end of every season, both with the Cardinals and with Texas tech that I do think it, 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 bring scrutiny onto him. I mean, when you enter a game like that and you, you are making the mistakes that they made, 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's going to face some very, very difficult questions. And, you know, um, he he may be kind of interviewing or fighting for his job, you know, as as, as they get back home to Arizona and, and really break down the season because they were overwhelmed in every stretch and then just did stupid things to like kind of gift that that blow to the Rams. It was really disappointing. It was. I'm also going to say, I think I was right about Odell Beckham. I kept on looking at him with the Browns and saying he's open and Mayfield either won't or can't get the ball to him. He's open. He's open. He's open. I understand why an elite receiver who's the best receiver on his team and the quarterback won't throw him the ball. I understand why he's frustrated. Last night we saw uh, that, hey, the guy still has it. Oh, he does for sure. Um, and yeah, like I do think that um, you know, the quarterback that you're playing with matters. And and in fairness to OBJ too, um, earlier on in his Rams tenure too, where it wasn't, you know, maybe he wasn't just lighting the world on fire. I, I mean, I think Stafford is playing very hurt. Like I, yep. I, I don't yep. think he is as, as, as on top of things as he, as he was at the start of the season, but he certainly just does have the arm. He does have the, the smarts, and the know-how to make things happen, even when he is not 100%. We saw Baker Mayfield, I think, was playing hurt for much of the year, too. But he just also does not have the intangibles that allow a quarterback to sort of transcend whatever health issues they have. I mean, um, you know, I always go back to Favre here, and, um, you know, he was hurt regularly and often certainly in that Saints game I mean he was he could barely walk at the end of the game but the way that he was able to keep his team in it just with a his reads of the game his you know his huge arm and and like his guts like that's I think Stafford has more of the guts factor certainly than Baker Mayfield does and so um yeah to see OBJ kind of come up big he's incredibly talented um you know, that, uh, it, that says something. My favorite part though, Jim, of the game, like I was watching the Manning cast, um, of the game. And when Kyler Murray threw that ridiculous pick six interception mm-hmm. and yep. watching Peyton, Peyton Manning <laughs> react in real time, like it, 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 he was dying. Like he, like a part of him died watching yes. that happen. And it was just the best. Like, I love watching those, those guys and the way that they clearly still care about it so much. And it just, it just rings, you know, just shines through in, in the way they do it. I think that's been one of my favorite things to the NFL season this year. I think the Mannings are fantastic. And the fact, the fact that they are not, you know, they don't cover up for people, you know, they don't do what so many traditional player analysts do, which is, Hey, I'm going to say nice things about these guys. We're all in the brotherhood. Uh, they're like, mm-hmm. oh my god, how can you do that? Oh, what a stupid play call! Oh, you can't. You know, that reminds me of the time we did this. It, it's so genuine. I love it. I don't love all the guests. You know, the problem with saying we're going to have three yes. or four guests on a I night mean, is you're going to have one or two who are absolutely horrible. Um, you know, Pat McAfee. I do not need to see Pat McAfee anywhere at any time. Certainly, they're not glorified by the Mannings. Uh, but the when it's Peyton and Eli breaking down the game, honestly, that's as good as it gets. It's great. It's it's terrific. It's it's so good that I almost kind of lose track of the game itself. Yeah, like sometimes, which sometimes is okay. Sometimes these so are bad games. Yeah, it's, and sometimes that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I just listen so intently to it. Um, and and like even when they do criticize players or whatever, you can feel like it comes from a different 
place. Like right. Shaq criticizes NBA players just because he wants to like say how much better he was than them right. and like diminish their 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 accomplishments. Peyton and Eli are like their heart is breaking for the quarterback yep. who makes that yep. decision. Like yep. it's like, oh, I've been in that spot and I know what they're feeling. And I and and gosh, it, this was a just a terrible play, but but like you can just see that it, it hurts them to their core. And 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 so they feel they, they feel bad for the player who makes the the mistake, but they also, you know, they don't shy away from it. Like it's just like, how can you do that? But there is this there's this built-in like empathy for the person going through whatever they're they're going through in the game that they're describing that is just so refreshing and so um, endearing to me that I, I I just love it. Let's buzz through some picks. 49ers against actually they save that one. That's probably the best matchup. Let's go Rams at Buccaneers. Opening point spread, Bucks giving three points. Yeah, I mean, it's like with how well the Rams played against the Cardinals, um, I definitely have kind of come around a little bit because I was a little bit down on them. It felt like they were one of those super teams that was assembled that just wasn't sort of delivering on um, on all of the talent that they had. But they certainly looked good against the Cardinals. That said, uh, the Bucks at home, Tom Brady, that roster – um, every, everything that goes into it. I think it will be a close game, but I still think the Bucks can win by four. And this is one of those games I really don't want to pick now. I want to pick it on Saturday night uh, when I have a better feel, or Saturday morning or whatever when I have a better feeling. Yeah. Because if, if Fournette and Werfs play, I think the Bucks win. If they don't play, I think the Rams win. We don't know that yet. Sitting here today, I will take the Buccaneers. Uh, they have about 30 hours more of rest. They don't have to fly across the country. Uh, they do have Brady. And they had a pretty easy time of it last week. I will go with the Bucks, so they don't feel great about it. Bills at Chiefs. What a matchup! Chiefs at home giving two and a half points. I love this game. I just love it. I think it's going to be a, a an incredible game. Um, uh, the Chiefs seem to have certainly come around after you know not playing well early on in the season and 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 really struggling. Um, that said, man. I, I just really like the Bills vibe. I like that Josh Allen will be, you know, in a in a place that it's not going to be incredibly, incredibly cold um, there. And so I think that I think everything shapes up for the Bills to nip that game. I don't know, thirty to twenty eight, something like that. Um, I, I think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to come right down to the wire. I just really like the Bills vibe right now and the way that they played against the Patriots. Um, I think that they are going in with all of the confidence and all of the belief. And so I think they're going to do it. I agree with you. Uh, if it were a toss up, I would have toss up in terms of uh, point spread. I would have trouble not picking the chiefs, but I can't give points in this game. I will take the bills to least cover Bengals against Titans. Very interesting pick number. The Titans are number one seed and yet they're kind of a, an underrated team, even with the number one seed. Uh, we don't know if Derrick Henry is going to play or not. It looks like he's going to try to come back. And the Bengals are really talented and really young. Who do you like there? Uh, Titans giving three. I, I I absolutely Joe Burrow might be my favorite player in the NFL right yep. now. I, I just I just love everything about him. Um, I, I I want to pick the Bengals. Like I really really do. Um, yeah, I, I love his guts. I love his leadership. I love the way that you know he. I, I love. 
Jamar Chase. Um, there's so much that I like about this Bengals team, but in particularly Joe Burrow. That said, on the road against a team that has been overlooked and I think is going to walk in with a chip on its shoulder if they get an, a, you know even a decent amount from Derrick Henry, I think that the Titans can win a tight one um, because as much as I like the Bengals, they still needed to kind of bite their nails against the Raiders last week. And, and so um, I just don't know that the Bengals are quite ready to make that leap yet. I hope that they do. I will be rooting for them. I'll be cheering for them. But um, I'm going to I'm going to take the Titans to win a very tight game, maybe by one one point. OK, so you'll take the Bengals to cover then. Big, take the Bengals to cover, yeah, because they're getting three. Yep. Yep. I think I will take the Titans to cover. Uh, this feels to me like the early 90s Cowboys with Aikman, Emmett, and Irvin. Uh, before they went on and won three Super Bowls, they lost a playoff game in Detroit. They just weren't quite ready for it yet. Uh, I think the Titans find a way to cover just because the Bengals are just, I just think they're this their figure it out year, not their do something year. Now, the, the maybe the best matchup, if the Bills and Chiefs isn't, 49ers. At Packers, Packers giving five and a half points. Five and a half is a lot, Jim. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. Especially for, especially for the way that we might expect this game to go in terms of if it's, if it's going to be cold, the 49ers are going to run the ball and run it and run it and run it and run it. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring game. Um, so I just – I don't think that the Packers are going to be able to have enough possessions to get the the um, the necessary cushion to to cover that spread. So I think the 49ers will cover. I would I kind of like I want to lean toward picking them to win, but I I, I think the Packers are are playing really well. Eric Rodgers is is unconscious, so I think that the Packers will win, but the 49ers will cover. I'm going to take the Packers to cover. I think the week of rest is big. I think playing at home is big. And while the 49ers, I love their running game. I love the way they're coached. Their secondary is not very good, and the Cowboys did a terrible job of taking advantage of that. And Garoppolo, even though he won that game, he completely missed a wide-open Brandon Ayuk, and he threw an unconscionable interception. I think Jimmy is overrated. I think Jimmy's going to give this game to the Packers. The Packers win by seven or more. Uh, so those are our NFL picks. Uh, I'm sure I was wrong on all of them. Uh, I came off. I'm coming off a good week, which means I'm due for a really bad week. That's just the way it goes. Uh, but I can't wait to talk about the Vikings process and the NFL playoffs next week with John again, January 24th, seven o'clock. Come out and join us at Tuttle's Eat Play Bowl. And next week, if we don't have new Viking news to talk about, we will break down some of our favorite coaching candidates.